Welcome to Easter Season Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett, a podcast from the Episcopal Church of St. Martin in the Fields in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Today's podcast is for the fourth Sunday of Easter, Year A, focusing on the Gospel reading John chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, and Psalm 23. Listen in. Hello, and welcome to Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett. My name is Jarrett Kerbel. I'm the rector of Church of St. Martin the Fields, and with me is... Barb Ballinger, Associate for Spiritual Formation and Care. Thanks for joining us, Barb. Well, we had a lot of fun during Lent with Bible Banter, and we thought to ourselves, let's keep going. The Easter readings are amazing and very, very helpful during this... um, peculiar time we're in. I think you will find uh, the readings for Sunday, Easter 4, the Good Shepherd Sunday. These readings are going to be very pastoral for all of our needs as we continue to struggle with this time of social distancing, separation, and lockdown. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy these readings. I'm going to start off by reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 10 verses 1 through 10, and this is the Good Shepherd story. Jesus said, Very truly, I tell you, anyone who does not enter the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to him, saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life, and may have it abundantly. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what I think is is really hilarious about this passage is that this, the whole first paragraph, Jesus is very carefully laying out this metaphor, and it should be really obvious to any member of Israel. They are steeped in the idea of being sheep. It comes up all the time. God is their shepherd. They're the sheep. He goes through this whole thing, and they don't get it. <laughs> and then he's, he tries again, you know? And I, and I wonder if we struggle even in our modern minds with this metaphor, because we just don't like the idea of being sheep. You know, you know, I think that's where we often jump off of this. You know, we don't even pay attention to the shepherding. It's like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't want to be a sheep. I want to be, 
I want to be something more sophisticated. I want to be something more democratic or, or maybe something kind of aloof and, and self-assured, like maybe a cat, you know? So, so we think of ourselves as, you know, like cats, we can be, we can all be cats and, and, and Jesus, you can be Aslan, you know? <laughs> which, which doesn't, it, it doesn't get us anywhere. We all know as ministers, what it, what it means to herd cats. So I think you know, one of the biggest challenges is to even jump on the metaphor at all, you know, right. or we want we want to be this sort of sort of this kind of democratic gathering of creatures. I don't <laughs> I don't know what that what that right. would be, you know, I guess people, you know, where we are kind of anarchists. And we all kind of have our say and Jesus is just kind of right. in there among us. And, right. We want to be sheep. You know, and yet the, <laughs> we want to be sheep. with a that? vote. We want to be sheep in a flock and have a vote. Right. We want to, like, have a little committee of sheep who decides where the flock is going. And, you know, I think there's a real invitation in this passage to um, explore a level of dependence on the good shepherd that is uncomfortable for us. And you are identifying that discomfort. Why are we uncomfortable facing the idea that our security, our guidance our leadership comes from outside of ourselves. And I think there's a lot of good reasons for that. I think with this parable, Jesus is trying to say he's a different sort of shepherd. You can trust this shepherd. Yeah, it's almost as though you've got to be willing to to allow yourself to be in the story. You know, Jesus is saying, you know, Please be in the story with me here. Yeah. You're the sheep. Yeah. And, and we have to allow ourselves to be the sheep in the story. And when we do, we begin to explore something very different, which is that what is who is our shepherd? Who is shepherding us? And how is that shepherd a good shepherd? Is that shepherd really responding to us? What are the things that make us know that the shepherd in our life is God versus something else right he calls the sheep by name and they know his voice there's an interesting power there in the sheep the sheep can discern they know who to trust Mm -hmm. and when i share this story with children i think that's a a wonderful gift to children is well when the good shepherd calls you will know you will recognize who is calling your name there's also this beautiful idea that God calls us by name. It's a notion that um, we see at the story at the tomb with Mary Magdalene, where she's in complete disarray and shock because the tomb is empty. She's already devastated and mourning because her Lord and teacher was taken away. But into that space of intense grief and loss, Jesus simply says, Mary mm. calls her by name and it it snaps her out of it and brings her to the risen Lord who she mis- had mistaken for the gardener. Right. And once again, and, a sign of life, a sign of life. And then when she hears her name, what she responds with is Rabuni. Like yeah. she doesn't say Jesus. <laughs> she says teacher. Teach my so teacher. She, she might as well be saying shepherd. Right. That's right. So that relationship of the shepherd and the sheep, um, especially in John, is one of intense 
mutual understanding mm. and recognition nice. and love and trust. Yes. And when that's in place, the whole dynamic changes. It's not an oppressive being dragged around or having to follow somebody that you don't care about. This is a love relationship that I can trust in the person who will lead me to life. I just think you put your finger right on it, Barb, right? So it's mutual. It's trusting. It's about my thriving. It's going to lead me. This relationship leads me to green pastures and beside mm -hmm. still waters. This is a nurturing relationship. So we can let go of some of our guard about being part of a flock or mm -hmm. being part of an undifferentiated mass um, because we are trusting the one worthy of trust who has who knows us and recognizes us and calls out what we need. Um, that's that's really well said. Thank you, Barb. Yeah. Uh, we Barb and I have been talking about um, this idea of the gate, too. There's really two metaphors mixed up here in a funny way. Uh -huh. There's I am the good shepherd, a classic. I am statement in John, and there's I am the gate. Um, and what occurred to me as we talked about it was this notion that Barb shared that in the ancient world, the shepherd would actually lay down across the mouth of the sheepfold. And of course, the sheep aren't going to step on their shepherd. And the no. wolf isn't going <laughs> to approach the shepherd and the thief doesn't want to go over the shepherd. But when you hear the phrase lay down in the Gospel of John, that has to take you immediately to the cross. He lays down his life for us. He lays down his life for the sheep. And that means the gate is Christ crucified. The one who mm. opens the gate to our safe harbor with God, the one who opens the gate to our safe relationship with God, is the crucified Jesus. That's the gate, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, and it, and it means then that, you know, that path that we take is one of such trust that we can lay our lives down to, mm -hmm. that we yeah. know that that our lives rise with Jesus, that mm. our that that we know our true name because of what truly rises mm. as a result of the death and resurrection of Jesus. There's something where our identity is becomes even more clear to us because of that gate and that relationship and where we end up going through it. That's so true. It's, you know, this whole process of being a disciple of Christ is a constant experience of having our identity, having our soul clarified. Who are we? Who are we in relationship to this risen one? What in us brings life to this world? What in us is so part of God's love that we will follow into sacrifice, that we'll follow into um identifying our self-interest with our neighbor and defined expansively who our neighbor is. Um, you know, when I think about Mary Magdalene, to get back to her, and this is my current obsession, I apologize. <laughs> but the great thing about Mary Magdalene is her love of Jesus takes her to the cross when almost everyone else runs away, takes her to the tomb all alone in the Gospel of John, 
and makes her the first witness, even though her love is so full of grief. Mm. Her heart is utterly broken. So she's a real great model of faith for a time of stress and trouble. You know, even when we are so distressed and so full of mourning, follow that lead of love to where it goes, and we will find the risen one, because mm -hmm. he will respond to that love. Simone Weil famously said, God can't resist love. <laughs> mm -hmm. So follow that love to our good shepherd, I would say. Yeah, I think, too, that um, Mary of Magdala and, you know, so many of the Marys of Scripture, they sort of are faithful Israel. Mm, they are right. so steeped in the language of, of the Scriptures and the music of the Psalms and the metaphors that is the relationship of Israel with God. And they live out this incredibly faithful life so that when an image like the shepherd appears, they are on it. They're like, I get that. I see myself. That's us. Right. That's Israel. That is, that is me in love with God. And so that those individual expressions of faith are expressions of the whole people of God at faith with God. Yeah. You know, what it means to so be so heartbroken and yet so believing that God will deliver you that it becomes obvious when we hear those cues, when we hear those words or when we hear our name. Yeah. It just becomes obvious because Israel, Mary, the church at its best is constantly attuned to how God speaks to us and calls us. You know, and I think... You know, she's a she's somebody who walks the 23rd Psalm. It's yeah. that, you know, we have the, um, you know, the these scriptures that so are at the tip of our tongue. They're at the tip of the tongue of Israel and at the tip of our tongues. They are incredibly healing and reassuring words that echo through the scriptures in us. Well, let's thanks. Thanks. Barb, let's end by re sharing a reading of Psalm 23, which is also appointed for this Sunday. Hmm. Um, so many great hymns come to mind, but we'll we'll just go ahead and say it. Do you want to lead it off, Barb? Sure. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He revives my soul and guides me along right pathways for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You spread a table before me in the presence of those who trouble me. You have anointed my head with oil, and my cup is running over. Surely your goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Such comforting words, and I want to just say directly to people, it is okay to pray to God for your own comfort. It's okay to recite this psalm and hope for comfort when you're upset, when you're mourning, grieving, when you're sad, when you're overwhelmed, it's okay to ask for comfort, to ask for 
our reassurance, our safety, our security to come to us from outside of ourselves. Because sometimes we just can't soothe ourselves. We can't comfort ourselves. And sometimes we rely on the wrong things for comfort. We turn in the wrong directions. And I think a lot of us are operating with a pretty full tank of stress right now. We Just right under the surface is a whole bunch of um, heebie-jeebies, if you will. And um, I just want us all to have as much mercy on ourselves as God has on us. <laughs> it's really, yeah, this, yeah, go ahead. Well, in this, in this time of, of social distancing and quarantine, it's almost like we're all in our little own little pens, <laughs> our own little, you know, sheep pens. And some are penned in with others and others are kind of alone. Um, but what does it mean to let Jesus be the gate of our homes, mm. of our houses, of the places where we're kind of being contained right now. What is it to allow Jesus to be the keeper of those entryways and to know that that is the definition of safety and care and relationship with our God? Yeah. God has the entrance to our hearts under control. Yeah. And God is committed to leading us out and leading us back home. When God leads us out, God leads us to prosperity, to abundance of life in the best possible sense. And when God leads us home, God leads us to safety and security and community. And God will do all those things. It just occurred to me while you're saying that, you know, maybe it's a good time to read this psalm as a family. Huh. Read it to your children, read it to your grandchildren, read it to your spouse. You know, one of the things I find comforting is when I often visit people who are in their last days, I can say this psalm by their bedside and they will repeat it with me. They may not say anything else that day or respond to anything else, but from way deep inside, they know Psalm 23 and they usually know the Lord's Prayer too. Mm. So now's the time, my friends, to get this good stuff in our psyche. <laughs> uh, and to share it and it's very comforting very reassuring for all ages I think we need to probably wrap up but I really appreciate this time Barb to share about the Good Shepherd um, well this we, was great yeah we always love emails from members of the congregation about what you think so thank you for joining us for Bible Banter with Barb and Jarrett we'll be with you for the weeks of Easter season hope you find this an enriching time and we hope you are well and healthy and we hope you know that you are loved take care bye-bye thank you for listening to this podcast from the episcopal church of saint martin in the fields in philadelphia pennsylvania if you enjoyed this episode don't forget to like and share it you're welcome to join us for worship online on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock a.m. for morning prayer, 9.15 a.m. worship together, Holy Eucharist for preschool families, or 10.30 a.m. Holy Eucharist with music. Weekdays you can find morning prayer at 7.30 a.m. and on Wednesday nights we offer sung Compline at 7 o'clock p.m. Find the full schedule on our website at stmartinec.org forward slash worship. To learn more about the ministries and activities at St. Martin's, including biblical studies, Wellspring Spiritual Formation Programs, 
and volunteer opportunities during COVID-19, please visit stmartinec.org. We look forward to meeting you in the digital space until we can gather again in person. Have a blessed Easter.